The first question I want us to wrestle with is, I want us to ask uh, the question, do I have a paucity or a plenty mindset? I wrestled to get two P words. Last night I had uh, plenty and scarcity, and I'm like, I need another P word, hon, and Sabrina said, paucity. Like, pot, that is awesome. Of course, I had to look it up, and it's the op- you know it's it's a synonym of scarcity. Uh, so, I, do I have a paucity or a plenty mindset when it comes to uh, evangelism? In other words, so our memory verse for this month, Jesus in Matthew ch- recorded in Matthew chapter nine thirty seven to thirty eight, and he says, "The harvest is plentiful; it's the workers who are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray earnestly." That he'll send out more workers uh, to bring in this big harvest. Now that is a plenty mindset. But so often we have a paucity mindset. Uh, I know I do. So often I, I look around and I think there are very few people in this coffee shop, if anyone, who would be interested in talking about Jesus. No, very few people around me are truly seeking God. Very few people are interested in having a spiritual conversation. Uh, in fact, lots of people willing to talk, very few people willing to listen and engage, right? That's so often my attitude. And yet, that's not biblical. Jesus says you should have a plenty mindset. Uh, when you look around your classroom and you, you see your fellow students, you should say, there are, there are a lot of my classmates who want to know God. They just don't know how. And they, they have some questions that they need answered, and they have some experiences that they need to process uh, as, they, as they try to get to know God. But they, they, they really do want to talk about Jesus at Christmas. And when we look around the office, do we say, you know what, there are probably quite a few of my coworkers who, who do really want to know God and really are spiritually curious. And here's why this is so important. We usually see what we're looking for. And so if we, if we have a positive mindset in which we, are, we just, the assumption is very few, if anybody around me, is actually interested in knowing God and would be interested in talking about Jesus, we're probably going to see that. Our eyes aren't open. And so we're not looking for spiritually curious people. And so we probably won't see the opportunities when they arise and thus jump, jump on them. But if we have a plenty mindset and we're looking, expecting, we'll probably see, uh, see people around us and then engage. So do I have a paucity or a plenty mindset when it comes to evangelism? And that mindset is critically important. Uh, so, you know where you are, and uh, let God, if you're in a paucity mindset, let God use the truth of, of Matthew uh, uh, 9, move you over to a plenty mindset. And I think that's a, that mental shift is truly um, massive for us, and really makes a difference, and hopefully makes a difference this Christmas. Well, we are, not only do we have a sermon series, we're, we're trying to equip you, make it easy for you to talk. Uh, to people about Christmas, and so we're going to be crafting uh, crafting a Christmas Eve celebration 
uh, with the unchurched person in mind. Understanding there are lots of people who go to church on Christmas and Easter. They're called, what are they called? Creasters? The Christmas and Easter Christian, right? So we're going to be ready for the Creaster, and uh, we're going to craft a, a sermon, uh, I'm sorry, a celebration that presents the gospel in a winsome and, uh, and compelling way. And you will, you'll be proud of our church and glad you brought your unchurched friend to the Christmas Eve celebration. So one way you can talk about uh, Jesus at, at Christmas is, is simply to uh, invite people to church, right, to this celebration. Well, it's very important when sharing your faith that you understand your role as opposed to God's role and as opposed to the seeker's role, right? We, it's kind of important that we understand who does what. Uh, in evangelism. And I think that's what our uh, biblical text, Acts 8, that Tara read, I think it does a great job in identifying God's role, our role, and the seeker's role. And so that's how I want to unpack this text this morning. First off, what is God's role in evangelism? Well, first, God is the one who says, go. He sends us. And so here we see an angel of the Lord says to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Here, God sends Philip to a very particular place, uh, but he is also already, in a general sense, uh, sent all of us. Uh, In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, right before he went back to heaven, he said, go, go. And he wasn't just talking to the 12. This is a command that applies to all Christians throughout all time. Go into all the corners of the earth and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And that command rests on me and it rests on you. It rests on every Christian. God has sent us all. So God sends, and uh, secondly... God orchestrates evangelistic encounters. Uh, Behind this whole story is God the puppet master, right? God has orchestrated this evangelistic encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian. And it's not hard to uh, imagine. I, I kind of envision God, he's tracking. Okay, here's the Ethiopian. He's on his way back to to Ethiopia from Jerusalem, and he's on this particular road. It's going to take him so long to get to that intersection. Okay, angel, go now. Tell Philip, get headed over there, so that they will, you know, intersect at just uh, the same time. God is orchestrating this divine encounter, and God does that. God uh, is interested in people coming to faith. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God orchestrates these uh, evangelistic encounters because he loves people. And anyone who is truly seeking God, he's going to give them a fair shot at the gospel. So that's God's role. Now, what's our role? Well, first off, we, we need to go. We need to go. What would have happened if Philip hadn't? Uh, obeyed. Well, then, then certainly someone else would have had the joy of leading the Ethiopian to Christ, right? 
and Philip wouldn't get to play this hero role. He certainly was a missed out on the joy. One thing I, I love is that this is not Philip's first uh, evangelistic rodeo. This isn't the first time he's ever shared his faith with someone. In fact, the story that precedes this story is Philip uh, sharing the gospel in a city of Samaria. And there's uh, wild results, wonderful results. Uh, in fact, so many Samaritans put their faith in Christ that the uh, couple of the big apostles come from Jerusalem to uh, sort of uh, put their stamp on, on things. And then what happens as soon as Philip is done with the Ethiopian and God whisks him away, what do we see him doing? As he heads to Caesarea, he shares the gospel in every uh, town and village he passes through. So uh, Philip is a guy who is going. He is following Jesus' general command to share the gospel with people. He's doing that. And it's within the context of this larger life of I'm on mission, I am obeying the command to share uh, Christ with other people, that he then gets this specific direction from the Lord. But we don't need to sit around and wait for an angel to tell us before we share the faith. It's awesome if an angel shows up and tells you to go somewhere. Woohoo, great. I've never had that happen to me. But I, we don't wait around for the angel uh, to be on mission and to be talking about Jesus. So we go. Uh, secondly, we need to follow the Spirit's promptings. I find it interesting that the first command comes from an angel, but then once, uh, once Philip is at, on the road and he's kind of at that intersection, he gets to where he was commanded to go by the angel, now the Ethiopian shows up and his uh, chariot, I assume, is kind of rolling by. We read in verse 29, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So it's an angel first, and then it's the Spirit. And I wonder, how did the Spirit uh, say that to Philip? Was it an external, audible voice? Go over to the chariot. Oh. Or uh, might it have been, and this is my suspicion, is that it might have been, a prompting from the Spirit that you and I get and are familiar with if you're a Christian, where um, you just have this impression, this strong sense that God wants you to go talk to somebody or ask a particular question or share a story or, or a biblical truth. And it, it actually sounds like you. It's not like it's a different, qualitatively different voice, but you're like, I think that might be the Lord prompting me. That's a strong, I'm getting this strong uh, urging. And boy, that certainly seems, seems like something God would want me to do, right? Take a, take a risk and talk to this person. And that happens. God, if you are a Christian, God will prompt you to be on mission with him. The question is, will we obey those promptings? Will we follow those promptings? And I have to admit, there have been many times when I have not followed those promptings. And there are some times I haven't followed those promptings, and then something happens, and I think, oh, did the Lord want me to, uh, had I obeyed the Lord, might that not have occurred? Um, and, and, 
you follow the prompting and then you see the result. And when the result is, you know, a, 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 a spiritually awesome result, you usually confirms, yeah, that was probably the Lord's prompting me. So the Spirit says to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now, what if, what if uh, Philip had delayed? Is this really the Spirit's prompting me? Is it really that chariot I should go? That's an Ethiopian guy. I don't really talk to Ethiopians very often. Maybe I should wait for somebody else. Well, I love the fact that so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. So Philip doesn't delay, right? The Spirit tells him, go to that chariot. He runs. Does he run because the chariot's moving fast? Probably, you know. And then I kind of envision Philip, he's right beside the chariot. And, you know, and the Ethiopian still reads. Like, was he not aware that this guy's beside him? You know, he just keeps reading the prophet. But, so it's kind of funny to imagine this, but he runs over and he's probably jogging alongside the chariot. And, but, and then it just so happens, right? That, that the Ethiopians reading this particular messianic prophecy, a prophecy from uh, Isaiah about the Messiah. No, God has orchestrated this thing. And, and Philip, because he obeys the prompting of the Lord, immediately he is exactly where he needs to be at the exact right time. Because this Ethiopian's mind and heart are curious Right? And he's, he's, he is primed to hear the good news about Jesus. And maybe if he had caught the Ethiopian at, at another day when he's back in Ethiopia and he's working on the finances of Queen Candace, maybe he would be like, what? I don't have time for that right now. But here is the perfect opportunity. And God knows that, right? He, he knows what's going on in other people's hearts, which is why it's important that we follow his promptings. Uh, because he's, God knows when it's the the best time. The third thing we do, our third role, is to be in proximity to unbelievers. Uh, It's only when Philip runs over to the chariot and is now right next to the Ethiopian that he is close enough to the guy to, uh, to perceive the timing and the strategic opportunity. Right? And so this is, the, this is where I am most um, challenged and convicted. As a pastor, I've gotten myself to a place where pretty much everybody I hang out with are Christian people. Now, they need some good counseling. But uh, how am I going to, if I'm not hanging out with, with unbelievers, how am I going to be there? I won't even be present to, to know when, when it's... Uh, when they're ready to be talked to. I won't see the opportunities because I'm just not close enough. I don't know what's going on in their lives, and I can't see when an opening occurs. So Philip, he's, he gets close to the Ethiopian. And now he's close enough to him uh, that he can hear him reading and then see, okay, uh, I see a way I can open up a spiritual conversation. And so... Um, sometimes this means that we, we need to be intentional about making re- uh, relationships so that we can be an influence on, on an unbeliever. Be in proximity. Number four, take people's curiosity quotient. I love this. Philip does not run up to the chariot. You're going to hell. You need Jesus. Let me just quote some verses to you. 
No, he listens in, right? And, and then he sees an opportunity and he asks a question. He tests the waters. He tests this guy's spiritual curiosity. Do you understand what you're reading? That's what he asks. He asks a question. And the guy could have said, yes, don't bother me. And why the heck are you running right beside my chariot? You're making me nervous. Right? He doesn't. He's, he, he's curious and open and says, he says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So Philip asks a question, tests the waters, takes his curiosity quotient, and then the guy, the guy's response is, hey, come on up here into my chariot. Obviously, let's talk about this, right? Uh, maybe you can help me. You certainly seem to be interested in, in, in the things I'm interested in. And the passage he's reading is this passage from Isaiah about Jesus. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Uh, talking about Jesus' um, sacrificial death upon the cross. And so I just I love the fact that uh, Philip is not pushy. He's not... Um, he doesn't violate any of this guy's um, personal um, sovereignty and space. Instead, he, he is str- asks strategic questions and then allows the guy to invite him in. And then finally, our final role is to tell the good news. And so in verse 34, And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Uh, and is Isaiah, Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And here, here is the opening that Philip has been uh, waiting for and watching for. And we read this. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Uh, he answered the Ethiopian's specific question, but then he he went a lot farther, right? He used, he saw an opening, he answers this question, uh, and then he leverages it into a much bigger answer, a much bigger story. He doesn't just say, oh, he's talking about someone else. He's talking about someone else, and can I tell you who that is? It's Jesus. And then he shares with him the good news about Jesus, which included uh a call for commitment, and that's the last thing. Obviously, somewhere in this telling of the of the story, uh, Philip had said, and those who receive Christ as their own personal Savior go public with baptism. And so he had issued in there a here's how you become a follower of Jesus. That was part of his story. So that the Ethiopian then looks and says, well, there's some water. Uh, what prevents me from getting baptized? And so... <clears throat> um, we can become, we can become skilled at. Here's, here's, we can become skilled at um, seizing, starting with people's curiosity, entering it in, and then um, going places they might not have anticipated going. And so, for example, let's let's imagine you're talking to somebody and they're sharing with you, ah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether or not I should um, be with this person or I should uh, change jobs. And, and so they're asking for, I'm, I'm wrestling with a question. Well, and you say, you know what? Make sure that uh, you get 
ask God for help. You know, God says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. Uh, God's available to you. He'd, he'd love to give you some wisdom. So make sure you don't, uh, don't miss out on that. And, you know, God wants to be our, in our lives. That's why he sent Jesus. And you can just go, right? And just uh, testing their, you know, uh, testing their curiosity. And if they keep hanging with you and they're interested, you just take, tell them about Jesus. Somebody is experiencing loss. And you say, you know what? There's nobody who cares more about your pain than God does. He cares so much about you that he sent his son Jesus so you could have a relationship with him. Man, don't walk through this hard time. Don't try to process this loss on your own apart from God. Man, what a, that would be tragic. He wants to be there for you. And so you just you take a, what seems to be a, a pretty basic conversation and, the, and, and God will give you wisdom as you do that and, and, and take it to telling them about Jesus. Now, God is going to uh, fulfill his role perfectly. Uh, We're the wild card, right? (laughs) Uh, But I really think, I mean, here we've got a pretty good plan. Go, follow the Spirit's promptings, put ourselves in proximity to unbelievers, ask questions that take people's curiosity quotient, uh, and then... Tell people the good news. Step when the when the door gets cracked open, push you know gently, appropriately walk through that door, and and tell them about Jesus and invite them to become Christ followers. I think if we evangelism evangelism is not a mystery. Uh, if you want to be used by God to bring people to faith in Christ, uh, there are some best practices that are just talked about in Scripture. You gotta you gotta do it. And God's with you in it, and he wants to help you succeed. Um, but the question is, will we play our role? And if we do, I think we're going to have the joy, like Philip did, of seeing, seeing some people come to faith in Christ. All right, finally, let's talk about the role of the seeker. The Ethiopian was a seeker. And the first thing that a seeker, uh, they're, they're, they're responsible to pursue God the best they know how. So here's this Ethiopian. And he's pursuing God the best he knows how. Uh, somewhere down, down there in Ethiopia, somebody had shared with him that uh, the God of the Jews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the true God, and that he is worshipped in his temple in Jerusalem. And so the Ethiopian had heard that, and he had responded to that. And so in so much that he had actually left, uh, left Ethiopia and made this big journey to Jerusalem, and he's on his way home. God sees his heart. Listen, God knows when somebody really wants a relationship with him. And if someone is seeking God, God will give them a fair shot at the gospel, period. He will orchestrate a divine encounter. And, boy, we want to be the one who who gets to play the Philip role. So seek God the best you know how, but then it comes to this. Well, once, once you hear the gospel, you're responsible to believe it. It would not have been okay for the Ethiopian to say, okay, I don't, but I'm just not interested in Jesus. I like pursuing God the way I am, according to the, uh, the, the pattern of the Old Testament. I'm not interested in, in uh, this Jesus. That wouldn't have been okay. Um, God, in the scripture, it says that uh, in times past, God overlooked people's ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent and put their faith in 
in Christ. And then finally, uh, it's not enough to just believe it's true. You then need to make Christ your own personal Savior and go public in baptism. Uh, And so, I do find this... um, Isn't it interesting that this evangelist sees water and says what keeps... I'm sorry, this Ethiopian says what keeps me from being baptized. So apparently, Philip, in his presentation of the gospel, had said... And people who uh, follow Christ go public with that commitment by getting baptized. It's faith that saves us, but Christians are commanded uh, to be baptized, and the pattern of the New Testament is that Christians go public in baptism. And so, if you're not a Christian, uh, I'm sorry, if you haven't been baptized and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, you need to get baptized. You need to go public with that. I didn't hear this until I was 17. I've been following Christ since I was a little kid. And uh, when I was 17, the preacher said, hey, by the way, God, uh, Jesus commands his followers to get baptized. If you have not been baptized, you're not walking in full obedience. I got out of my seat that morning and went down and said, let's remedy this. And they baptized. Will we talk about Jesus this Christmas? We want, uh, we want the joy that Philip had of being used by God to change someone's eternal destiny. That's huge, isn't it? I want that. And I want that for you.